It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, where are we going to find our touchdowns? We need them. We need more. The unsung hero potentially for the Falcons defense. And when is the exact time to start being concerned about the Atlanta Braves? All that and more. It is John Chuckery here. It's Hitting Hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome in on this Tuesday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, we want you to head over to our YouTube page, youtube.com. Put in the search browser, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Up over 1,200 people now that have subscribed. So we really appreciate it. We're growing very, very quickly. So be a part of the community. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment as well. I always read through all the comments that you all leave, whether I agree, disagree, what have you out there. Do appreciate the feedback uh, on everything that we are doing. And of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Rookie minicamp in the books for the Atlanta Falcons. I saw that the Falcons added another bigger Wide receiver yesterday, a kid uh, that formerly played for Green Bay, six foot three. I think he had over a thousand yards for his career in Green Bay, and that's fine. We keep hearing about all these big wide receivers, right? Pitts and London and Edwards and this guy and that guy and all that. That's great. That's great. But here's the thing that I need though. <laughs> Last year, the Falcons scored the fourth. Well, I should say the Fal. There were only four teams in the NFL that scored fewer touchdowns than the Atlanta Falcons. Only four, only four teams had fewer offensive touchdowns than the Atlanta Falcons. And when you look at red zone scoring percentage by touchdowns, the Falcons last year ranked 24th in the NFL. They were 53.7% scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That was actually better than the year before in 2020 where they were 53.45%. So they're barely scoring a touchdown one out of two times when they're in the red zone. To put that in perspective, the best teams in the red zone at scoring touchdowns are typically two out of three times. So we know how much red zone woes and things like that have been an issue for the Atlanta Falcons. And obviously their ability to score touchdowns has been in question. So while I love and appreciate we've got big wide receivers and jump balls and all that kind of stuff, are we going to find a way to get these guys in the red zone then and score touchdowns? Are we going to find a way to get London and Pitts and this guy and that guy and beat bada boop bada bop? We got to find some touchdowns, folks. And I'm excited and glad we've got big wide receivers and what our mantra is and what our philosophy is. One thing that this team definitely has to do is find a way to punch it in the end zone on the ground because they're also one of the worst rushing touchdown teams in the uh, NFL. So I don't know who that guy is for the Falcons offense. Maybe it's Algier. Maybe Allison has his breakout year. Maybe Cordero Patterson, you know, gets even more in the mix. He was a double-digit touchdown guy last year for this team. Again, I don't care so much about the names on the back of the jersey for these guys. Where I get concerned is just how we're going to use these people. 
And again, I'll ask the question, and I'm going to keep repeating this until I truly see or get an answer to it. What is our offensive philosophy? I understand what our draft and free agent um, mindset and philosophy is when it comes to pass catcher is that we want big physical guys who can go up and get it, right? I mean, that's the kind of guys that we want. Okay, I've got and understand that profile, but how do I make it work? How do I how do I make this thing work better where I become a better red zone touchdown team? I become a team that's better overall at, at finding a way to score touchdowns. And how do I become a better rushing touchdown team? You know, you look at the teams that were below the Falcons last year in fewest touchdowns. You're talking about the Giants, Jaguars, Texans, and Panthers. All of those teams had fewer touchdowns. Well, that's four of the most anemic offenses in the NFL. And that's where we've been kind of trending. Even the average NFL team, the average team in the league scores 37 touchdowns. We were at 33 last year. So we're just over 10% fewer touchdowns than even the average sort of team in the league. And it puts us down in, again, the anemic offenses of the NFL. So while I love what they've done as far as rebuilding the wide receiver room, I'm interested to see how the running backs look. I don't think we're still all that good at running back. I don't think that we have that bell cow sort of guy that, you know, can be a difference maker back there. And maybe that comes in next year's draft because there are a lot of good running backs that are coming into the draft next year. And I understand our philosophy for how we're picking players. And obviously, you know, Pitts is this unicorn, but the unicorn was a one touchdown guy last year. And that can't happen. I, I, I can't have Drake London and Kyle Pitts combined for three or four touchdowns or this offense and everything else is not going to get where it needs to be. Now, obviously there are some other challenges. We've talked about the idea of the offensive line. How's that group going to get better? How are you going to get me better on the offensive line, especially in pass protection to be able to allow Mariota Ritter, whoever's going to quarterback back there to be able to buy time and be able to actually get the football pushed down the field. And that's one of the other things about red zone is that when that field gets shorter, defenses are getting more hungry and more aggressive to come after you and going to try to force you into a bad play. So I I, I like what's going on. I, I appreciate what I'm seeing. Again, I asked the question about our offensive philosophy and identity. And I do think that Arthur Smith will adjust and they will find a way to get those guys on the field and try to use those guys in different ways. I mean, this is where coaching has to start to take over, right? This is, this is where you expect Arthur Smith to start to put his offensive mind on display, right? And they did obviously an excellent job in Tennessee with, you know, not just drafting personnel, but, They had a great offensive line. They had a great running game and they had very skilled wide receivers and they could take a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who obviously was not, you know, a guy that was looked at as being a star around the league or anything like that and turn him into a pretty competent and a pretty successful quarterback. Now his playoff track record aside and all that during the regular season, he certainly became a successful quarterback under Arthur Smith and the Tennessee offensive philosophy. So I'm hoping that we can find a way to get this thing turned around. And, you know, to me, it starts with the running game. That's just something that, 
know, we talked last week about the idea that they've only had two 1,000-yard seasons in the last 10 years, and that was the two by Devontae Freeman in both 2016 and 2017 that that was, you know, they, they barely had a 1,000-yard runner. I mean, you know, again, in 16 games, Devontae Freeman was not even 1,100 yards, but he was a double-digit touchdown guy. He was a guy that could score you 10 touchdowns in a season. We need somebody who can be that kind of weapon down there. So I love the look of what the Falcons are. Big, 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 big. And that's all great. And I understand the mindset about what we're doing. But how are we going to get more touchdowns? Can we use those guys now in the red zone offense? Because our red zone attack offensively is at the bottom of the league. And we're a bottom tier touchdown team. That has to change. And if you want to tell me that we're going to throw balls up and those guys are going to get it, great. Otherwise, though, I got to know how we're going to get this thing fixed offensively to score more touchdowns. All right, when we get back, I'm going to give you a name as to who might be the unsung defensive player that the Falcons have needed over these last few years. We'll talk about that next. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Back with you on Hitting Hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I am John Chuck. We appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Head over to YouTube.com. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser. Find the channel. Subscribe to it. Leave us a comment on the shows. Tell us what you think. Give us some feedback uh, out there. Again, I always read uh, all of the comments. So appreciate you being a part of our new growing show. Over 1,200 uh, followers already or subscribers, I should say, on YouTube. Really appreciate that. And follow me on my personal Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. I want to give you a name of somebody that could very much be the unsung hero for the Falcons defense this year, and that is Lorenzo Carter. Now, I know there's a lot of hype about Arnold Ebiketti and what he could be, and obviously he's a second-round pick, and frankly, he probably is the best pass rusher on this roster right now as we stand. I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt to, about that. But I am curious very much to see what Dean Pease can do with Lorenzo Carter. Now, look, Lorenzo Carter was part of that great Georgia Bulldogs defense in 2017 when they got to the national finals and lost to Alabama. And it was Lorenzo Carter and, you know, Roquan Smith and all those guys. And Carter kind of had a little bit of his breakout year that, that final year at Georgia It was a third round pick, but he came up with, um, he, he, came up with uh, a handful of sacks for Georgia and was a guy that, you know, we've been kind of, we were kind of waiting on at Georgia to finally kind of break out. And he did. And it's been sort of a mixed bag for him as far as what his NFL career has been. But over the end of the season last year, he really started to kind of get it cranked up as far as sack and the quarterback goes. And, you know, for a team that is so deficient when it comes to sacking the quarterback, that there's no doubt that this is as bad a team as you can find in the NFL when it comes to sacking the quarterback. Even guys that can come in and be four or five sack guys feel like that they can be a win. Now, Carter last year ended up with five sacks for the Giants. That put him third 
um, on their team. But the thing I think that was interesting about Carter and what he did last year is if you look at his stats, he really picked up all of his sacks in the last four games of the year. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't know what it was early in the season where he got no sacks, but he had five sacks in four games for the Giants. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, things started to click for Lorenzo Carter. He had two sacks against Dallas, a sack against Philly, sack against Chicago, and a sack against Washington. Now, those are some pretty good offensive lines, by the way. Dallas, Philly, Washington, those are some pretty good lines that he went up against. Obviously, divisional mates of theirs, but you've got some star power on those offensive lines, and he was able to find some production. So I don't know what it was that flipped and switched and things that made him all of a sudden start to break out and find a way to sack the quarterback, whether they used him differently in the scheme or whatever like that. I don't know what it is. But I think the Falcons brought him in for a reason. I think they looked at what he did at the end of the year. And again, we just talked about Arthur Smith and putting his hands on the offense and how we're going to find more touchdowns and this and the other. This feels like one of those situations where I'm going to be curious to see how Dean Pease makes this guy better. You know, Dean Pease did some good things with Foyer Aluakon last year, got him a nice big fat contract, right? They've done some good things with Michael Walker to get him developed and, and be a lot better. But I'm going to be curious. I think the guy that could be the unsung hero of the Falcons defense this year could be Lorenzo Carter. Now, I do think that Ebikati is going to be the guy that ends up leading this team in sacks. And I think he's going to be the best pass rusher that they have. And he probably, again, is already the best pass rusher that is on this team. But if you're looking for a guy that could be a nice little compliment or maybe a guy that if Ebikati or Grady or whatever if those guys start to get double teamed and those guys are trying to get taken out of plays, maybe this is a chance for Carter to thrive. And I know fans around Atlanta are excited about the idea of adding Georgia Bulldogs, right? Everybody wants to add these Georgia Bulldog players in the draft and free agency and this, that, and the other. I think this guy could be a really good fit for this team. And if he's allowed to sort of develop his pass rush ability, which we saw some flashes and glimpses of it in that 2017 season, then I'm hoping that he can find a way to have a breakout year. And who knows? I mean, you know, I don't know what exactly his sack number is going to be. I don't know exactly what he can be in this Dean Pease defense. But if you're telling me that he can find a way to get to the quarterback and he can build off of what was the end of last year, they may have found themselves a gem. You know, they, you know, and, and look, there's a lot of guys that are getting second chance opportunities on this defense for the Atlanta Falcons, right? The kid that they brought in uh, was Rashawn Evans, the linebacker out of Tennessee that they brought over, another former first round pick. Obviously, Casey Hayward's a guy that they add in the secondary that, well, maybe not a second chance, but he's coming into a good situation for him where he can start and be productive and he's got a good compliment on the other side. And, and there's been a lot of talk about Hayward being the unsung guy, and I get that. You know, he's been a very good player and probably underrated through his career where he had a couple of second team, you know, all NFL, you know, spots, uh, you know, in earlier in his career. But I think that Carter might be that guy that that he may be that guy that that really benefits. You know, there's always that second guy. Right. And and I'll use an example that's going to make Falcons fans make their head blow. Remember Ray Edwards 
when came over to the Falcons. Well, how do you build his reputation? Well, Jared Allen was such a dominant pass rusher that Ray Edwards did a lot of cleaning up, right? You know, trying to double team, triple team, whatever, you know, uh, Jared Allen and take him out. One of the great pass rushers in the history of the NFL, a guy like Ray Edwards benefited and say what you will about what he was or this, that, and the other, but he did put up numbers when he was with Minnesota and, and he was a sack guy in Minnesota. Don't know that it's exactly that situation. Cause I don't know that Eva Katie's you know, about to be Jared Allen. And I don't know that, you know, Carter's a guy who can get you 10 sacks, but boy, if, if you told me that Lorenzo Carter could find a way in this defense to put up seven or eight sacks this year, how huge would that be? You know, we talk about trying to find a way to, to get to 40 sacks, which is my number for a team. If you can find your way to 40 sacks in the NFL, you have a really good chance to be a playoff team. A, a, a pretty good playoff defense will record 40 sacks. So how do I get 22 more? That may be out of the question, and that may be pie in the sky. I get that. But if we're trying to, you know, move that needle in the right direction from 18, which we assume that it can't be worse than 18, right? There's no way that there'll be worse than 18 sacks. But if you can find a way to maybe get up in the 30s and this, then, and the other, I think Carter plays a big role in all of that. So I think when you look at this defense and the improvement on the defensive line, both with what they did with Carter, obviously re-signing Grady and keeping him around here for the long term, and then obviously drafting Eba Katie in the second round, I think you're starting to see the blueprint a little bit. It doesn't mean that you can't add more. You know, there are still some guys out there in free agency that I think the Falcons should be very interested in looking at as they're going to have a little bit of cash freed up. And then again, there's always June 1st cuts. You always have somebody who is going to get cut after June 1st that we didn't expect or somebody, you know, that that's released that you just, you know, kind of surprised by that maybe was making some big money and has to go to a, a team for a one year show me deal. And as teams have already kind of set their roster, I mean, look at how the, the Saints just keep adding players and they keep finding money when it's not there. Maybe the Falcons get lucky on somebody like that. But I want you to keep your eyes on Lorenzo Carter this year. If there's one guy that I want to watch and see, yeah, I want to see Eba Katie. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks. And I think he has a chance to certainly set the Falcons rookie sack record. We talked about that last week. Just I think he can definitely do that. Whether he does or does not or whatever like that, you never know with rookie pass rushers. But Carter could be that guy, given what he did at the end of last year, and Dean Pease gets his hands on him, that could be that unsung hero of the Atlanta Falcons defense. All right, when we get back, when exactly do we start to be concerned about the Atlanta Braves? I need some kind of tangible measurement on it. That's up next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta, asking you to head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Growing every day. Really appreciate how quickly this is all growing. Follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316 as well. Now, I'm asking you specifically out there in the audience to give me some feedback on this, okay? This is where I am asking for some commentary because I have a question, and, and I have I have a question that I want you all to give me some answers to. So the Braves lose again last night, one to nothing. Run scores on a wild pitch. Braves strike out 16 times last night. Now they've lost two in a row. They were only four and four on the homestand. They're in Milwaukee again today. Reports are that Ronnie may play today. He passed all his tests and 
He was kind of running, and Snicker said if he feels all right, he'll play him. I don't know if that's going to be a DH. I hope it is. I'd like to see them use him at DH a little bit more because I think that they've got to get him back a little bit more into baseball shape. Uh, I'm not blaming the injury on the knee. I just think it's overexertion. I mean, I just you, you look at that game of the Red Sox where he got hurt. It was, you know, running to the foul pole to, to catch a, a ball and running to the wall to catch a ball, and he's stealing bases and this, that, and the other. A lot of exertion on his legs for a guy that hasn't played a whole lot. But that aside, let's hope he comes back today and the Braves figure out a way to get a win. But as we sit right now, the Mets got rained out last night or bad weather, whatever it was last night. So the Mets are now seven games up on the Braves, and they have a doubleheader today, and they're playing the Cardinals right now, who have had a really good start. Arenado was the player of the month in May. They've had a really good start. So the, the Braves and Mets are playing the top two teams in the NL Central right now. Braves right now sit at 16 and 20. They are 10 and 11 at home, six and nine on the road, minus 15 run differential, five and five in their last 10. And they've obviously lost a couple of games in a row. While I understand it's not time to panic, but it is May 17th as I look at my calendar out there. Here's what I'm asking you. Help me understand when is the point of starting to have concern about the Braves. Is it a date? So is it June 1st, July 1st? Is there a specific date that you're looking for that you look and say, okay, on June 15th, I'm looking at the Braves and I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to be concerned about it, okay? Is it the number of games played? I'm not going to have concern until the Braves play 100 games. And then I'm going to look and see where the Braves are after 100 games. And then I'm going to get concerned. Or is it how many games back are the Braves? Braves are seven games now. I won't feel concerned until the Braves get 12 games back. I'm asking because things are not going well and right in Braves country. And they are figuring some things out, but... You know, look at May, for instance. Darno, Olsen, Riley, Duvall, those guys are barely hitting 200. All of those guys are barely hitting 200. Riley's got a homer in three RBI. Darno's got a homer in seven RBI. Duvall's got a homer in five RBI for the month. They're not getting production on a lot of their top guys. Olsen's only hitting like 208 for the month. So they're not getting production through the middle of the order. Bullpen at times is up and down. Will Smith at times can't get anybody out. Bullpen does some good things and they get beat up. Tyler Matzik is headed to the IL now. Tucker Davidson's going to start today. They probably would have used Strider, but they had to use him last night because Matzik's going to head to the IL. So you're getting some beat up factor. Ian Anderson was terrific last night. Max Fried goes, uh, not tonight, but he goes tomorrow against Corbin Burns. That's an ace versus ace matchup. He's been terrific this year. Morton is starting to come in. So Braves are figuring some things out from their starting pitching. Bullpen at times is really good or it stinks it up. No matter how you slice it, the Braves have underachieved thus far. So what is the metric that you're waiting for or looking for to have some concerns? Because this idea that we're, comp I mean, it's easy to say, well, they'll just do what they did last year. And then I saw somebody who said, well, in 1992, however, that's 30 years ago, <laughs> you know, so we got to repeat what we did 30 years ago. Okay. Well, how easy is that? And I'll keep saying if, if there was some magic switch to flip Braves would have already done it. Now, I'm not going to say that they missed Freddie Freeman. 
but there maybe is a little bit of missing in Freddie Freeman, especially with runners in scoring position. Freeman was one of the best guys in Major League Baseball at that. Maybe there is some clubhouse and things like that. You can pick whatever reasons that the Braves are not playing really well right now. But I want to know when you as a fan will start to have concerns. Are you looking at how many games back? Do you have a specific number of games that they play that I'm going to look at? Or is there a specific date on the calendar? Hey, July 1st, I'm going to look and see, okay, the Braves are headed toward the All-Star break, and I'm going to have a better understanding of what they are. I, I don't know. Because I do have, I'm I'm sitting here on May 17th and saying I have concerns. I'm concerned that the Mets are a pretty good team who doesn't have the best pitcher on the planet coming back. I'm concerned that the Braves offense, while we just assume it's going to get rolling, what tells you that Marcelo Zuna is about to become the guy he was in 2020? Because since 2020, he hasn't been that guy. He wasn't that guy last year, and he hasn't been that guy this year. What tells you that Riley can't have a regression in his numbers? People know Austin Riley now. Austin Riley's not sneaking up on anybody this year. Pitchers get a book on you. They start to figure you out a little bit, and they're going to take you out of the offense. I'm not letting Austin – if I'm a pitcher, I'm not letting Austin Riley beat me. I'm not letting Matt Olson and Austin Riley beat me. I'm going to be – I'm going to make the guys that are bigger hit or miss opportunities, the Azunas and the Duvals and Demerits and guys, I'm going to make those guys try to beat me. But I'm sure as hell not letting Austin Riley go out there and beat me. So you start to figure some things out. And who knows? I mean, look, Adam Duvall had a monster year last year, led the league in RBI and all that kind of stuff. But he's still a high strikeout, low average guy. When he makes contact, it goes a long way. Well, how often does he make contact? And this idea that whatever your narrative is, well, the weather warms up. Well, it's going to be 90 degrees this week, folks. Weather's been warmed up. It's Atlanta. It's in the 80s and 90s. I mean, you know, all these things that we use to just find ways to rationalize it. This team is not playing well right now. And it's easy to sit back and say that, well, we'll just get the offense cranked up. And then once once everybody starts hitting, okay, well, when's that once everybody starts hitting thing? How many of those games have we seen this year where everybody hits? One or two? We had that breakout game, you know, a while back, I don't know, six weeks ago, whatever, when they scored 16 runs or whatever, like on a Friday night. Okay, that was great. Last night, you couldn't get anything going. Peralta had you completely shut down last night, and you struck out 16 times. Well, guess what? You're going to see Corbin Burns in a couple of days. Guess how many guys he strikes out? A million. That's baseball today. Yeah, You know, I, I always say, I would love to see the Braves use their speed more, play a little bit more station to station, this, any other. But it just seems like our offense just gets bogged down so often. And I have some concerns about specific guys. You know, I'm concerned about Ozzy's lack of power just in general, not his home run power, but look at his doubles. And he hasn't had a triple yet this year. I mean, look at Ozzy the last few years. He's a 30 to 40 double guy. He's a five to eight triple guy and a 25 to 30 home run caliber guy. He doesn't just hit a bunch of home runs. He gets a crap ton of extra bases. Well, those numbers aren't there this year. Ozuna, since that monster 2020 shortened season where he spent the extra time getting in shape, he's been nothing close to the guy that we saw during that. He's got a flash here and a flash there. He's good enough for that, but he's not even been close to that guy. And Duvall, you know, maybe he is what he is. Maybe last year was a freak of nature that he had this monster 40 homer, 100 RBI season, but he's not really that player. I mean, it it is possible that 
some guys may be overplayed. Look, Rosario and Soler are two perfect examples. Soler is hitting a buck 88 for the Marlins right now. Rosario was hitting what? 060 for the Braves. You couldn't get those guys out last year. You know, come August, September, October, you couldn't get those guys out if you tried. Especially in the playoffs, you couldn't you couldn't get those guys out. Now we can't get anything out of those guys and Soler has done nothing for the Marlins. So Tell me what the metric is that the Braves or that I as a Braves fan should start to have concern. I'm curious because I'm going to tell you honestly now, I'm already having some concern about where the Braves are headed for this season. All right, don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, head over to YouTube.com, Locked On Sports Atlanta. And, of course, I want you to give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. We thank you so much for making uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure you make A to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen Every day as Mark is back doing Atlanta radio and or I should say Atlanta podcasting and he's talking about all things uh, Atlanta sports. So it's all the takes that, you know, you know, you got to have. And of course, Mark's going to always come in red hot with everything. So check that out. He's part of Locked on Sports Atlanta as well. Free and available on all of your podcast platforms. And of course, you can find them on YouTube as well. We will be back with you tomorrow. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.